everyone, and welcome back to Flock Talk, episode number 42. This month, we're talking about the biggest gags in gaming, or surprises. And it should be a good time. Ooh, shalalala, shalabalagoo. Ooh, shalalala, shalabalagoo. Well, listen to this jingle, it'll tell you what to do. There's a video game podcast that's perfect for you. Ooh, shalalala, shalabalagoo. It's called Flop Talk. It's a podcast just like this, but it's hosted by Miles and Catherine and Chris. Oh, shalalala, shalabalagoo. So our topic is the gags in gaming, but before that, we got some hot topics to cover. Hot topics. And we didn't record last month, so we should have a huge backlog of hot topics to get to. Chris, just just start firing them off, man. What games have I been playing? I've been playing them all. I've been playing every game. Every single you game. You played them all? All the games. It's only been a couple months you played them all? He started a bunch of games. There has been no game that I own that doesn't exist. And I've been playing every one of them. <laughs> what? <laughs> Wrap your head around that one, yeah, people. Yeah. <laughs> you might want to have to turn back. This podcast, listen to that a few more times. Double negatives. <laughs> Burn your brain. Okay, so let's maybe just start with one or two games that are on this list. Sure. Uh, I played a few racing games. Uh, let's start with those. I played uh, Need for Speed Miami Heat is what I think it's called. I played that to a... Aren't they the basketball team, the Miami Heat? No, 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 no. It's the heat you get from the police. As you're driving around oh. your tricked-out car. Oh. Oh. So, oh. Need for Speed, Most Wanted, on the PlayStation 2. Just a fantastic game that I played a ton of when it was out when I was near a PlayStation 2. But I have not played one since because I've generally read that they have not been all that great. I picked up Need for Speed Miami, and it was, uh, yeah, it's okay. It's all right. It kept my attention for, like, 15, 20-ish hours. I thought you were going to say 15, 20 minutes. No, 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 no. I, I, like, played, oh, a decent, I played a decent amount of it. Uh, what are you playing that on? The PS4. I downloaded it on the PS4. Mm. It was on sale. Uh, so I picked that up. It is a usual street racing game uh, with a kind of an open world that you can go around and start races in. The really interesting thing is it has a day and a nighttime. And in the daytime, all the races are sanctioned. So you drive up to like a sanctioned race, you race in it. It's got like the marked off, uh, race route and there's no other cars driving the race route. But at night, you- What happens at night though? At night. What happens at night though? At night, you play with races that are you know illegal races so there's a bunch of other cars driving around the routes are less is that when the nitrous comes out no you can use the nitrous <laughs> during the day but you should use it at the night the nitrous uh oh. and then uh the cops also start chasing you at night so you'll be driving around and you'll drive past a speed trap and then the cops will start chasing you in the middle of the race and then it's like, do I continue to try to finish this race while the cops are chasing us? Or do I need to, like, get out? Because there's, like, four cops now chasing me and they're running me off the road and stuff. <laughs> really, really cool. That sounds fun, actually. It is very sounds fun. It's like a really good game. Yeah, like, I think I'd like that. It's good. 
the cops will like if you drive by the cops too fast even if you're not in a race if you've already because then you escape the cops as you're driving around and then the cops are still kind of looking for you so you're always playing a game of cat and mouse but do the cops ever look for you during the daytime or are they just nighttime i don't i think i was just getting to the point where the cops were gonna start looking around for you during the day but they're less like investigating yeah like they're a lot (laughs) less aggressive during the day there's a story the story sucks (laughs) The cars are cool and the, you know, the usual customization of cars, old cars, customizing them, making them look like you can spend a lot of time making a car look really nice. And then uh, you get to the point where you sell the car or you get a new car. I was just getting to the point where I was getting like really fast sports cars. So I didn't have a chance to play the game with, you know, really fast stuff. The races were getting harder, but it was a good challenge. It's a neat game. I'm not sure how much more time I would throw into it anymore. But the thing with a racing game is, like, sometimes you just feel like playing a racing game, you right? know? And you would yes. just dig it up and just start racing, yes. even for 20 minutes, just to scratch that itch. There's no need to get into... The racing games are so good. There's no need to get into a story. There's no need to get into, like, where was I in the narrative? Where was I in the mechanics of this game? Like, you never need to relearn racing game mechanics. It's just racing game. There's drifting. There's braking. Like, racing games are great. And this racing game was really interesting because of, like, there's there seems to be tons of cars. There seems to be tons of different kinds of races that you can get involved in. It was a neat time. It was neat. Sounds racy. Catherine, have you been playing any racing games? What have you been doing during this uh, I... last two months? During the last two months? <laughs> I think people may have seen on my Twitter, I've mostly just been playing Animal Crossing Yes. I finally got Animal... For Miles' birthday, I bought myself Animal Crossing New yes. Horizons. It's like, as a gift to you, I will stay out of your hair forever. I since. It's been months. <laughs> I bet. Um, I, I love it. It's totally... I don't know. I've never played an Animal Crossing before, and it is totally my type of game. Like, it's just something that I can just get lost in. Even this morning, there's a fishing tournament, so oh. I had to go... I had to do a little bit of fishing this morning, so um, they, I, I don't know, I think they happen once a month, there's a fishing tournament, and then there's a bug catching tournament, and it's fun because you gain points, so you just go catch as many fish as you can in three minutes, and then you get points for it, and then you can redeem ten points for, like, special fishing prizes, and I didn't, I didn't know how many there were, I, I did the bug one, like, a week or two ago, two weeks ago, maybe, and I... I like grinded it a lot and I got like a ton of prizes. And then I think I looked it up after the fact and I think got all but two of the prizes. And I was like, Oh, oh I would have totally bummer. just done some more. But I think like maybe the prizes stay the same for the season or I don't know. So I'll have another chance to do it, I guess next month. I don't, I don't know how often they happen. They say they happen every season, but I don't know if they happen more than once per season. It's totally a, a game that I can do other things like I just grind fishing I love fi- like everyone knows I love fishing in games and so like I made like I can make a ton of money because I can just like for hours just grind high money fish and then like sell them <laughs> and Catherine I don't know for the people who never played Animal Crossing it's a lot <laughs> like uh what's another game you've played like Animal Crossing that you might have spoken about Stardew on the podcast Valley. before it's- it's like Stardew Valley. Oh, for sure. Stardew Valley, just like Stardew Valley. It's ex- it's like I, exactly the same game, isn't it? Or is it? Um, well, th- it's a little bit different because this one you're like you're bringing villagers and stuff. Like Stardew Valley has a set 
right. list of NPCs that live there. Whereas uh, Animal Crossing, you're like, I-, I guess this is different for New Horizons where you start, it's just you and two NPCs that start life on a deserted island. And you're building up this island to make it to like actually just turn it into a livable place. You're trying to attract other villagers to live on your island and start like a whole economy and stuff there. So you move in and all you have is like a tent with a cot. You just keep earning money to upgrade your your tent into a house and then you clean up the island enough so that you can put more plots of land to entice other people to move in it is just a forever game there's no end you just keep playing it forever keep working on your island i don't know i feel like i grinded like i've upgraded my house as much as it can be upgraded and i've paid off all my loans (laughs) and everything and so now i'm just sort of like in end game world where you're just just living just living on this island you're just doing everything you're living on the island and i much prefer living on this island than the world that we currently live in so i'm happy to get lost in it for hours at a time that's nice what did are (laughs) are you decorating your home are you decorating it i am i just got this like uh stadium wall so they have these sort of like um they're like live wallpaper. Like the first one I got was like underwater wallpaper. So it just looks oh. like like fish are swimming around in your walls and stuff. But I just got one that's like a stadium. And so the walls are all just like, it's like a baseball stadium or football stadium. And it's just got like people cheering <laughs> like all through the stands. <clears throat> so I'm like, what can I do with this? I think I could probably set up like a, a concert stage or something in there. So it looks like I'm given a concert at a stadium. Here's... Here's what I decorated my house like, and I don't think I spoke about this on the podcast, but maybe I did. I found the oppressive nature of the island to be a bit too much. Uh, The (laughs) idea that I needed to grind absolutely everything for this, like, capitalist overlord. And so I made the inside of my house look like the movie The Platform. Uh, so so you didn't decorate it at all no no it's 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 all gray there's an industrial wallpaper that i put up all (laughs) all around in the middle there's a like i tiled the floors to be a darker color so there's a uh square darkness in the middle middle, so it, it looks black along the outside there's one cot that (laughs) <laughs> is my cot. There's another cot on the other side. There's a bug that kind of floats around, and there's an axe in the corner. And that's oh. uh, that's uh, yeah. that's that's what I did with my house. <laughs> and then that was the end of the game for me. Decorating the house is like my least favorite part. Like I don't really care what the inside of my house looks like. Like I have my rooms look pretty traditional. I have like a kitchen, and then I have like a bedroom with like a desk and a whatever. But I'm not. I don't really care too much about the decorating the inside of the house. I have ideas. So I'm now currently at a four star island rating. And so it's about getting from four to five. I guess like that's kind of one of the main goals is to like try to get a five star island. How do you get, does the computer assign you the fifth star? Isabel, Isabel does. You go, you start with a one star. So like once you hit like the end game, then uh, you can get an island. Like, well, you think she'll evaluate your island at any point. And then she's like, you're at a one star. And so, so she's the final boss of Animal Crossing. Yeah, but it but it's based on like what's what you've done to your island. Like if you don't have, like you have to clean up all the weeds and you have to like 
Uh, you can't have too much garbage lying around. You can't have a lot of dropped items. You can have placed items. You need you need to decorate it. And- I would think of her so much as a boss as a really annoying Yelp reviewer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Island is well manicured. Too many <laughs> items that were dropped instead what? of placed. And then at, at some point you got to ask yourself, why do I care what Isabel thinks? Why? It's not her. She's taking Island feedback. From surveys, from visitors. Who and died and made Isabel queen of the island. It's not She's- me saying it. It's everyone <laughs> around you saying it. And I'm She's just so bringing sweet, it guys. to you. Sounds like a real Kimberly. <laughs> I um, I have ideas for how I want to decorate the island. There's a point that where you can actually just start like making your own rivers and cliffs and oh. things like that. And... Um, so then that's when you really get control over your island. You basically, whatever your island started as, you can completely redo it. But it costs a lot of money. It costs money to, like, move your houses, right? Because you don't know what you're doing in first start. You're just like, a house fits here. I'll put it there. And then now you want, like, a little neighborhood where all your houses are. And I'm like, oh, I have I have a lot of work to do. So that's going to be the rest of my summer at the very least. But I've been having a lot of fun with it. Isn't the Switch just perfect for it? Isn't it just perfect on the Switch? It is. I still, though, find it heavy. So, like, I can oh. only... Yeah, mm. I get tired of playing Switch light. Switch um, light. Gotta switch it up to I the know, Switch light. Still... Well, we just signed up for a contest to win one. So, don't tell fingers me crossed. Get that Switch light. <laughs> get it. Get it. It it is so perfect for that kind of thing. Because like if we're watching TV, I can just grab the switch and like clean up the island. Or... Do you ever play it in docked mode? I do actually. Ooh. It is kind of nice in docked mode. Oh, fishing is a little bit harder in docked mode because like you know when you get the the rumble in the Joy Cons, like that's a little bit more prominent than it is on the Pro Controller. So I feel like there's a little bit more feedback like when you're fishing and stuff. And I need like visual and audio clues at the same time so that I don't miss a fish. That kind of thing. A little bit anal about my fishing people, but <laughs> sounds like it. Sounds like it. I need your cherries though. Yeah, I'm hey. still short cherries and oranges. Look at this cherry picker. I figured out how to do it. I'm pretty sure I have oranges too. I think I gave my sister some cherries and oranges. So is your sister playing? Oh my god. Yeah, she has them too. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit up your sister. <laughs> this is us talking for an audience. You know, my sister has cherries and she has oranges and you should get together with my sister and, uh, you know, exchange the cherries and the oranges. I know, like, Dean, I the first person that I grabbed a bunch of stuff from was, was Dean because... He's kind of the one that kind of pushed me over the edge to get it. Because I was like, oh, I'm thinking about getting Animal Crossing. He's like, oh, get it. You'll love it. It's great. I know that Melissa, Mrs. Q-Dog is playing. And I could probably hit her up for some stuff too. But I'm like, I don't want to bug them. They're they're ahead of me in the game, probably enjoying their life. But I know I could probably like, can I steal some oranges? But I just haven't yet. Anyway, that's me and Animal Crossing. That's my life. Miles. Tell us about your life. What have you been doing while I've been playing Animal Crossing? I haven't been bank touching. What's the spice? Give us the spicy tea. I've been playing a lot of games. Um, the one that I've enjoyed the most is uh, Last of Us 2, but we're not going to get into that right now. I've also been playing uh, a little bit of Red Dead Redemption 2, trying that out. Not a fan. It's too sandboxy. I yeah. need to know where I'm going. Yeah. I need a linear game. Give it. I need some guidance, some hand-holding. Preach. Speaking of hand-holding, I played Knack. 
did you are you getting better at it like are you picking it up are you getting like a uh an affinity for it did you beat uh, it <laughs> oh, i finished it okay i finished it cool yeah yeah i really got a oh dear i really had a, a good time with it <laughs> I got the hang of it. Is what oh, I'm yeah, saying. Oh yeah, you got the hang of it. Yeah, right on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the game is actually um, not very fun. Okay. It's I would you know my problems with Red Dead where I was like it is not linear enough. This game is so linear that like how linear is, is it? it? Straight line. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> It'll shut the path behind you. Even yeah, right? yeah, like, it is. Don't go off the path. Just walk forward and punch things. I don't know why they made an act two. Who's that for? People who didn't play Knack one, I guess. Also, Mortal Kombat 11. Sometimes you just got to rip somebody's head off. So Mortal Kombat is a game where you play as a character who fights other characters through a tournament. And then uh, if you win the tournament, you win Mortal Kombat. Is it like Mortal Kombat 10? Ah, great question. Things have happened since Mortal Kombat 2. Oh, okay. I played Mortal Kombat 2. Mortal Kombat 2, you play as Liu Kang, you get to the top of the pyramid, you kill Shao Kahn, that's the game. That's the game. Liu Kang wins. (laughs) Now Mortal Kombat, it is deep in the lore. They have put mythos on top of mythos, and they're just layering in everything. All these different writers who have had a crack at it over the years have created this crisis on infinite Earth's problem. Yes. And now Liu Kang's a zombie. Did you know that? Liu Kang's been a zombie for years. For years! (laughs) There is no regular Liu Kang anymore. There hasn't been for years. zombie Liu Kang. And his name is, like, something else now. So this game (laughs) is the one that does the uh, infinite Earth's correction. Okay. So they bring everyone together. Yes. So there's finally... The Liu Kang from 10 years ago interacting with the Liu Kang zombie. Yes. And the game is very similar to Infinite Earths in that uh, you have all these same characters, like different versions of the same characters. But if you kill the earlier version of the character, the older one will die. Oh. So that's the story for Mortal Kombat 11. And it, it's actually pretty fun. Like, I was I was engaged the entire time. I was I wanted to see what would happen. I like that they let you play as, like, a bunch of different characters in the story mode so you don't get bored. Oftentimes, they'll have two characters in, in the story that you can choose from. So, like, it'll be like, oh, Liu Kang and Kung Lao are on this secret mission. So, if you want to play as Kung Lao, they'll let you play as Kung Lao if you want to play as Liu Kang. Are you... Uh, playing online? Uh, no, I haven't played it online. I finished it, the story mode, and then I was playing it, like, just grinding the daily towers. And I was like, this is just turning into Slay the Spire for me again. Mm. Just, like, turn it on, grind the towers. I will say they have the most interesting loot box system I've seen of all the loot box systems so far. It's its own mini game, Okay. And it's, you're in this, like, cemetery, but you're looking for hidden loot boxes, hidden, scattered throughout this, like, broken down city cemetery. And uh, some of the loot boxes have really good skins, really interesting items. Um, and most of them just have garbage. But you keep wanting to grind through them. Because it's not just like a loot box popping up on your screen. You're actually out there trying to find the loot boxes. And there's other items that you could pick up if you unlock different areas. It's fun. It's interactive. It's engaging for a loot box system. It goes well beyond the standard. In a fighting game. 
This is in like an arcade fighting game. They've made this intricate loot box system. They, there's <laughs> even a story behind the loot box system where you're like a grave robber. And this is years and years after Mortal Kombat's over and you're collecting all the relics <laughs> from all the dead fighters. Oh, God. They it's have... cool, though, right? Like, that's interesting, at least. It's, it's interesting. Dip- it sounds interesting. It sounds interesting. <laughs> I'm interested. And that was Mortal Kombat 11. I'd recommend it. <laughs> but I'm getting rid of it. So if you're interested, please let me know. <laughs> this is a podcast in which Miles, Catherine, and I speak about games we want to buy from each other. <laughs> Welcome to Flock Talk. Miles, I have a copy here of, uh, <laughs> of Uncharted Collection. It's in a uh, shrink wrap. You want that? Of course it is. No, thank you. It was free for everybody who owns a PlayStation 4. <laughs> Things I never played. That's another podcast. <laughs> Oh man, that that podcast got some legs. It's got That's some reach. That's our almost our whole <laughs> shelf over there. Yeah. What else have you been playing, Chris? What else did I play? I played a game. Well, I am playing currently a game called Persona Four. It came out on the PC. I think bef- previously it was on the PS Vita, and it was only ever on the PS Vita. And they've released a copy. They released it on Steam. So I wanting to have a game that I can play away from the TV. I have a new laptop. So I was like, "Mm, let me get this new game. I got Persona 4 and it is pretty good so far. It is simpler than Persona 5. Okay, so these games are you play as a high school kid who's getting sucked into another dimension and it's like a more adult Pokemon, basically. So you start <laughs> collecting these different uh, demons, and the demons all do different things, and all have different powers and attacks. Very Japanese RPG, turn-based combat. You have some friends. The friends all have their own stories. That's Persona 4. I heard it's about a serial killer. Y- yes, it is about a serial killer. And he's, like, abducting people and bringing them into the other dimension. And the first castle was was great the kids are interesting so far pretty fleshed out i want to continue to see their story there's not as many things to do as in persona 5 it got to the action a bit quicker so oh that's good yeah because in persona 5 there was so much to go through before you got to any Mm -hmm. point at which you were kind of doing things on your own and i feel like i'm at that point now i feel like the game's done adding things in but maybe i'm wrong but in persona we have this Oh, we only have it on the Vita. That's fine. But that's another way to play the game. Like, the Vita would be perfect for it. The reason why I never played it on the Vita is because I didn't I didn't like that I had to have audio. I couldn't turn on subtitles for the story. Oh. Which I didn't like. Because if I'm on the subway or something, I don't really... And I don't have my headphones. I, I want to play the game, but I can't without turning up the volume on the subway. And then I feel weird. The new one, I think, has subtitles. Yeah, the PC one, I'm pretty sure has subtitles. I'm playing it in English. It's good. The battle system is less intricate than in Persona 5, so I wouldn't, like, if I had already played through Persona 5 all the way to the end, I would not necessarily want to go back and play through Persona 4, because I think the Persona 5 battle system is more interesting. Like, the conversations you have with the demons, that's a more interesting way of fighting them than in this one. This one's more basic fighting. If they're down, then you can, you know, beat them up all at once, and then you get these little cards, and the cards might unlock new dudes it's less like have a conversation convince them to come over to your side like in persona 5 i never realized how unique that was yeah to like have that conversation with that demon like that was a point that i never mentioned about persona 5 but when you mention it now i'm like i can't think of that in any other game and it was amazing so good it's like that's a game you played just for that yeah just to have that system it's 
so weird. Each demon has its own way of responding to the questions and the answers and how you answer. And you, like, learning that and, like, finally figuring it out for, like, one of those demons you've been chasing around for a few hours is, like, perfect. It's a perfect good system. I really like that system. All the other games kind of by Atlas use the same system. So if you've played one of them, you've played all of them almost in terms of like, this is the electric attack. This is what the ice attack is called. This is what the fire attack is called. So they're all really easy to get into. Like Uh, Pokemon. Yeah. Yeah. It's all very easy to get into once (laughs) you play one. It's all Rochambeau. It's all Rochambeau. Yeah. Yeah. That's all it is. But this one has some nice nuances. It's interesting. It's quick so yeah if you're at all interested again in getting into persona it's not expensive on the pc and it's a nice way to play it because you can't play it in handheld on any of these systems and i these games would be perfect for handheld i don't i don't get it do it now do it quick maybe that's why they put it on the vita yeah it'd be perfect on the vita if you have a vita and that's it for hot topics over to the gags I've been around the world and I've met a lovely king He was nice and kind and promised he would give me everything But only if I promised that I'd sing a little song Saying that this king was the best man But no, I said you're wrong Miles McInnes is better than you Miles McInnes is better than you And he's got a lovely shiny pointy crown thing on his head too We're talking about the surprises. We're talking about the things that we didn't see coming in video games. The things that leave us jaw dropped. And maybe I'll kick it off. The reason we're talking about all of this is because of Last of Us. And everybody knows Last of Us did something that a lot of people thought they maybe shouldn't have done. We're going to get into that in a second. But just to set the tone, let's think of other times that video games did that. So just also as a disclaimer, we're going to be talking about things that if you haven't played the game, might be a surprise to you. If you don't want to be a citizen of Spoiler City, don't continue. Yeah. Like, (laughs) maybe go on vacation. Go to the cottage. Go to the cottage (laughs) where they don't spoil a single thing and you just get eaten by mosquitoes and black flies and you're like, I didn't get spoiled, but I am chewed up. Go to nature. Nature loves you. Go get itchy. Yeah, go get itched. First game I'm spoiling, and I'm spoiling the heck out of this game was a game that I played right after The Last of Us 2. In one sitting, I finished The Messenger. Oh! And The Messenger, as you may have remembered, we talked about it two mm-hmm. Ninja Novembers ago. Oh, Ninja November! <laughs> ninja November! Yeah. And you play as a ninja, and you're given a message at the beginning of the game, and you're told to deliver this message. And the whole game is like Ninja Gaiden, and you're running around trying to deliver this message. Chris, you're bugging out over here on camera. What's going on? I love it. I love the messenger. (laughs) So the messenger mechanically is very satisfying. Everything works the way it should. You never feel like it's unfair, but you always feel like it's challenging. One of the interesting parts in the messenger, though, is the shops. And the shop is so different than other games like it because the shopkeeper has these really long stories that he tells you and they're really great like proverbs or like these analogies for other things and they're intricate stories that I couldn't help but read every single one of them I loved it but we're talking about gags we're talking about surprises so why am I even talking about the messenger Get ready for the spoiler of all spoilers, because at the end of The Messenger, you find out you're the original guy who gives you the message. You travel through time. 
And then after that's over, you go, oh, so I'm that guy? What do I do now? And you go to the shop and the shopkeeper goes, oh, great, you're here. And gives you the cloak and says, you have to run the shop now. So then you see yourself, your younger self, come into the shop and ask you questions. And you're telling these long (laughs) stories to yourself. It's just a loop. It's a loop. It's a time loop. But then they add the new game plus to it because you as the shopkeeper leave. And you find out that there's a lot more to uh, to this world of the messenger. And that you have to go out and you have to collect X number of things to unlock the real game ending. As the shopkeeper? Yeah, but you take off the shop stuff, you look like oh, the messenger Oh, then you just again. look like you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but just the way they tied it all in, the surprise twist ending ties so nicely into the new game plus. It gives you an added depth through what you have already played through. You almost want to play through it again just to see the interactions from your new perspective. It's yeah. like watching Memento again once you realize or yeah, like something like anytime anything has a surprise ending, you kind of want to see if you can see all those little clues that could have tipped you off. It's like watching the Alexis Mateo do the snatch game of You're Mercado. talking about drag queens, right? Yeah, <laughs> of Mercado after you've watched the Netflix documentary about the person that he was doing and you're like, oh, that that is a that is a very good impersonation. <laughs> I did not know before how good that impersonation was until after I watched that documentary. And maybe a slightly more accessible. It's like... <laughs> no, 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 no. It's like watching The Sixth Sense. Again, and then knowing... No, I don't think so. That's more accessible. I don't I don't think that's more accessible. I think that's the significantly success? less accessible. Yeah, th- that was like 20 years ago. Yeah, nobody but... cares about that movie anymore. <laughs> nobody cares about but the it was like, that was the big. That was the movie that had the big deal about it. Because it was like, oh my god, he was dead all along. That's the gag. Spoiler. My Alexis Mateo thing happened last week. And that Mercado documentary just came out last night. So mine is very recent. Mine is very relevant. Mine is on point. Nobody knows who Alexis Mateo is. (laughs) (laughs) Says you. (laughs) If you are listening to this right now and Catherine has left this in and you want more (laughs) Drag Race content, really reach out. We, uh, we're desperate to do Drag Race content. Our video game podcast episodes is on the gags. (laughs) We want to be doing Drag Race content. (laughs) There's nothing I want more in my whole life than to be doing Drag Race content. (laughs) A gag for me was playing uh, Bloodstained Curse of the Night, whatever it was on Switch. And like, you start out that game and you're fighting demons, and you're fighting zombies. It's a Castlevania game, and you're in it. And then you walk down a hallway, and then just out of nowhere, a kitten shows up and just smacks you with its paw. And you're like, what are you doing to me, game? Where'd you come from, (laughs) big boy? (laughs) What does the cat do? Is the cat part of it? No, you just hit the cat, and it kind of never shows up again. Like, you kind of never see the cat again. It's a big kitten. Oh, is it a big cat? Yeah, it's like this big half-screen cat. And you just hit it twice with your, like, whip, and it just goes away. And that's it. And there's no reference to it ever again. That that cat, no. It never explains why the cat was there. Never. cat's got its tongue. Yeah, that's a big moment for me. That's a big like, ooh, what is this game doing? What's what are you about? Yeah, right. It surprises you. You didn't see it coming. There you go. Yeah, Catherine, what's a gag? Give me, give us a gag. I don't have any. Like, I've like I don't play that many games, but there's one that I remembered from when I was young, and we had our Commodore sixty four. My favorite Commodore sixty four game is 
uh, impossible mission and it starts off with like it's like 8-bit art or whatever right and you start off and you're just this guy in a unitard like mission impossible type just black unitard and you're just in this mansion just in the elevator and this voice comes on it's like stay a while stay forever and then you have to work your way through the rooms finding items solving little puzzles to be able to get out of this place that you're trapped and so if you actually finish the game and it's like very brief but when you finish the game and you do the last puzzle the voice comes like it it flips to a, a picture of the voice that says it and it's just like this bald evil scientist-y dude who just goes no 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 because you beat him but i was not expecting to see it right like i was just like (laughs) and it's like old 8-bit art so it's not like yeah honestly when you play a lot of those games you don't even think there's gonna be an ending you just think (laughs) it's gonna say the end yeah you're like you did it or whatever right but and and something similar to that which is like did i don't know if you ever played original leisure suit larry but like 8-bit leisure suit larry and and you're just gags in there well (laughs) (laughs) funny because like you it's very similar to this where you're just like playing the game or whatever and then i don't know how i think it happens like maybe two or three times where you meet a woman and you can like look at the woman and then that happens more than two or three times in all the women you meet essentially (laughs) look at them but then it turns like full screen art of the woman right but you're just like otherwise you're just like this little tiny pixelated garbage art and then if you look at a lady it's just like some sweaty dude in a room spent a lot of time drawing a picture of these very detailed breasts and like flowy hair it looks like the picture was done in in three hours and two and a half hours were spent on the breasts (laughs) but it's just like out of the because everything else is so boxy and pixelated and then you're just like let's take a look at eve and then this full screen image of and and it's like slightly animated so she just kind of looks like she's sultry or something. I don't know. It just comes out of like, you're not expecting it because the rest of the art is garbage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got a huge <laughs> gag moment in games for me. A huge okay. gag moment in games. Battlestar Galactica, the board game. Oh, Gagged. yeah. Gagged. <laughs> Gagged. 100% gag. Why? Why? Because, okay, if we've spoken about this on the podcast before, but Battlestar the Galactica, the board game, is a game with five people, play it with five people, and it is a game where there are there's a human team, there's a uh, Cylon team, and the human team doesn't know who the Cylon team is. And the whole game, you're trying to play this cooperative game against the Cylons, but there's always two people that know who they are, that kind of know that they have to at some point reveal themselves and their reveal has to be the most impactful reveal. So they're going along with the plans and you're all, you all know that there are Cylons in the game and you're like, who is who, where, who, where, where is everybody? What is everybody doing? Why are they doing that? And everyone has their own little secret thing they're trying to accomplish or they have their own secret power, but nobody knows who Cylon is. And during our game, the only time I got to play this and I will never ever sell this game, A, because it is now expensive. (laughs) Uh, be- because it's out of print and probably never coming back into print again. Why would they print a game called Battlestar Galactica if it's not relevant right why, now, right? Why would they ever print it again? They're never going to get the licenses back. Nobody would... I mean, the price is getting to the point where you're thinking it's probably going to get maybe reprinted at some point. The second reason I'd never sell it is because the potential. 
that one day I get to play it again. And <laughs> there was just a moment of reveal. I won't be offended if you don't invite me to play no, it's the fine. next time. <laughs> this, is a, this is a game for like a specific, the kind of people who like desperately love these kinds of games and love these moments. We were there. We were getting through it. We were like pretty much, we were at a point in the game where it could go either that we were going to win it or that we were going to lose it. We were very much on this hingy point. And then... One of the people playing it with my friend James revealed himself to be a Cylon, right? And did one just thing. Just through his actions. Yeah, just through his actions revealed that he was a Cylon. And then Miles basically like shot us in the head, turned over his card and was like, <laughs> I'm a Cylon too. Bang. Like, yeah. yeah. And it was such a moment of devastation. He found out he was a Cylon and then you all elected him president. Yeah. Right? Yeah, Isn't yeah, that yeah. Something happened? like that. Yeah. And then the president's like, I'm a Cylon. I was like, oh, guess america's cylons then this is the thing i will always really like about board games more than i like about video games the game didn't give that to me right right we gave that to each other we as people playing a game because people are way better than any kind of ai for surprising each other that's the thing that board games can give you is these surprising really interesting moments that the game allows but the game never says that this is the thing you have to do to win the game and those surprising moments especially in these kinds of trader games like they're always gag moments they're always impressive moments and the game you're always like this is a fa- this is fantastic i would do yeah. this again in a heartbeat for me yeah those moments are good and, it, and to a lesser extent it happens in the dead of winter yeah where everyone's working together but you you each have like Hidden a personal agenda, agenda yeah. and so you can win the game it's a cooperative game that you could all win together or you could try to win it just on your own you have your own personal win condition and if someone just goes for that for the personal win it's like ah we were like doing so well and then they're like nope you guys are all dead and i win right <laughs> yeah miles we should probably talk about the last of us in our last of us discussion <laughs> oh i got some other gags if you want give to go it. through them real quick give it Super Mario RPG finding out that Molo isn't a tadpole after all. Huge. What? Huge. <laughs> I thought that little cutie was the biggest white fluffy tadpole I've ever seen. Yeah, he moment. was definitely going to grow up to be a frog. 100%. 100%. <laughs> I also want to talk about the original gag. Your princess is in another castle. What? Huge gag. I just spent all this time working on this castle. Why did I work on this castle? <laughs> Princess is another one. And who are you just here to tell me to find another castle? Why are you even here? Do you work for Bowser? Maybe stand in the front of the castle. <laughs> How do you even like, get in here? Get yeah. in the castle be like, hey, this is not the right castle. Did you see all the security features of this castle? How did you get by those? Was there a back door that I didn't know about? <laughs> I also want to talk about Wolfenstein 2. Big spoilers if you haven't played this one. But Wolfenstein 2, you know, you play as BJ Blazkowicz. You're like a Superman type hero. You know, you shoot, you kill all these Nazis. You've killed thousands of Nazis at this point. But you get arrested in part two. And you go, all right, just going to be a second until somebody comes and saves me. And then we're going to kill all these Nazis. Then you get to court. You're like, here's where it goes down. I'm in court. You know, this is where we're going to fire up this place. Nope, court's over. Now I'm about to be executed. All right, well, someone's going to come save me now. It's that Robin Hood moment, so he's just going to like... Yeah, there's a guillotine. Your head's in the guillotine. For sure, someone's going to come save you. Your head gets chopped off. I was like, what? I've been playing this character for how long? He is completely (laughs) invulnerable to everything. And now his head's chopped off. As it's falling to the floor, it gets picked up by a drone. 
and they reattach your head to a full metal body. And I was, <laughs> I was like, I couldn't believe it. That was the gag moment for me and Wolfenstein. It clearly too. was a gag moment because Chris on camera's jaw literally mm, dropped. I am gagging. Yeah, that was pretty crazy. That's it was it was a nutty moment for sure. Who does that to their protagonist, right? I'm gagging. You know who does that? Naughty Dog. <laughs> Naughty Dog does that for sure, and we'll get into it now. Catherine, Last of Us, the original, is your favorite game of all time. It is my favorite game of all time. And this is, you know, very reasonably your most anticipated game of all time. From when you first finished Last of Us is when I was anticipating playing Last of Us 2. And that was seven years or so? Yeah, something like that. Something like that. So it was a long wait. um, Was it worth it? I think it was. I mean, again, my experience with The Last of Us 2, my first experience was watching you play, which is... 100% how I wanted to experience like you were like maybe you should play a little bit I feel bad I'm like nope I just want to watch this happen like I want to see it as a story I understand that the internet is up in arms half of the internet or like a really loud quarter of the internet is really (laughs) upset about it but I think it was a fantastic game. This game is the reason why we wanted to talk about these surprising moments in video games because this is the game that really kind of shocked us we kept away from all of the spoilers and everything like that Mm -hmm. so that it was all very new to us we did not know what to expect and so this is the big spoiler alert for this podcast because we'll be talking about the big moments in last of us 2 so in last of us 1 the first 30 minutes you know i didn't know anything going into it but i saw the cover i saw like a trailer and you're this little girl and this older man and you're trying to get through this dystopian zombie world. I'm playing as this little girl in the beginning of the game, and I fully believed that little girl was the same little girl that was on the cover and in the trailers of the game. And when Joel loses her at the end of that first 30 minutes, I couldn't believe it. And not to a zombie, to just some soldier who shot her. Like, it was so bleak. And then you continue the game, you find out 25 Ellie. years later, right? It's 25 yeah. years later. By the end of that game, you're just like, not again. I don't want this girl who has become my daughter to die again. And you make one of the worst decisions you could possibly make as a character. And that's just to kill all the scientists and doctors and fireflies who are looking for a cure for the virus. But he- what it is, is they, he, he makes the worst decision possible, but one that you as the player... Like, for me, anyway, 100% agree with, right? Like He only makes that decision. I don't see him making a different decision than that ever. And the game doesn't allow you to make a different decision. Yeah. So that's kind of set you up for this relationship between Joel and Ellie that you've spent hours developing and getting connected to and playing as and really understanding it as a father-daughter relationship. And then The Last of Us 2 begins and... They're older, how many years later is it? Five years, I think? It's five years later, and it starts where there is a strain on their relationship, and you're kind of just thrown into it, and the dynamic is different between them, and you don't know what's going on, and it takes a little while for you to figure out. It takes almost the whole game for you to really understand how that relationship changed, and it all comes back to that decision he made at the end of Last of Us. The big reveal is that Joel dies, right? This character that you played the majority of Last of Us 1 as. Everybody really thought the story was going to focus on those two characters again, but it didn't. 
surprise, and, in fact, you actually have to play as that character that kills the character you played as in the first game. Joel doesn't just die, he dies a horrific, brutal, vengeful death, right? Like, this is someone who hates him. And I didn't play the game, but who presumably hates him because of what he did at the end of Last of Us 1. Yeah. 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 I mean, of course. As someone who, like, you would have played the first game and you're fully expecting to play as Joel and that this is just a continuation of that relationship between Joel and Ellie. And then you see Joel just die a brutal, brutal death while Ellie and Joel's brother Tommy watch. Like, they see it happen. And it's devastating. It's absolutely devastating. And so, like, that was the first of the super gag moments, right? Because we were not expecting it. We didn't know all of the stuff that had gotten leaked. And there's so many more moments where you're playing as different characters. And, I mean, Catherine and I end up doing a a podcast. Spoiler cast, yeah. With the Cartridge Club. Oh, so you guys have spoken about it at length. At length, yeah. Yeah. So if you want to hear about... All of all the details about all the little specific things in the game, you should definitely check out that podcast that Ryan, it's Rocket Sauce hosted, uh, Round Two Gaming, Dean is there, and Frantic Thoughts, uh, Josh, uh, Frantic Society, and Church, the Game Grinder. We all talk about it, and it's a really good group, so you should check that out. But Chris, I think you had some questions you wanted to put us on the spot for defending Last of Us Two. <laughs> sure. Well, first of all, I want to make a comment. Like, why? Like, I get the internet stupid. But, like, why is that at all controversial? The person clearly did something that was very selfish. Like, they stopped the virus from being cured. Because it's Naughty Dog and there's no subtlety at all. So it's like, for sure they set it up that this was the only way that humanity was going to cure this disease. And that they were going to Mm -hmm. cure the disease. I'm just riffing off the top of my head. And then he destroyed the only way that humanity was going to cure this disease. Oh, they didn't do it. And then why shouldn't he face some repercussion for that? Like, that's that seems to me to be nonsense. It's perfect. It's like the perfect beginning to the game, in my opinion. Yeah. Because he should. Because this game is all about perspective. Like, when you look at the story of Last of Us 2... It's all about perspective. And to you, Joel was a hero in game one. But to somebody else, like, look at all the people he killed. Are you kidding me? There's people out there that don't like Joel. When you play a video game, you kill a thousand people. You're the most hated person in the world in every video game you play. And this is finally the first time that the main character got comeuppance for being a video game character. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and this is maybe, at this point, like a tired criticism of Naughty Dog games, but I think it's still, like, relevant from a narrative perspective. It is hard for me to care about the narrative that they are trying to push when the narrative that they are trying to push is always, like, someone did something to me. This happens in the Uncharted games as well. But, like, someone did something to me. Someone killed someone who's important to me. They killed that one person. I'm supposed to have a lot of, like, dramatic interest in that decision and then i am going to go literally with the biggest machine gun i can find and kill a thousand people i I was so waiting for you to make this argument always because that's literally what this game is about because in the beginning you grab that machine gun you mow down all, all these people but as the game progresses the lines become blurred sure right you you go well whose side am i on what does it even mean to be part of a group sure you know and later on in the game when you start killing people, they start calling each other by their name. Yes. It doesn't happen in the beginning of the game. It happens at the end of the game. And they go, Rebecca, 
Rebecca, are you okay? You know, when you right. when you yeah. kill somebody, it makes you realize that that you're being the villain. And at the same time, you're following all these characters who are outcasts in their group. And they're they're really just looking out for themselves and the people they love. But to each other, they're all each other's enemies. Sure. And it's like, if you could all just talk. And like, this is how I felt about the platform as well. The movie, the platform that's on Netflix, you can check it out. But the message is just like, honestly... We all want the same thing. We can work this out. Right. Like, it doesn't have to be violent. It doesn't have to be this way. And I think that that's why it's such an important message for right now. Okay. Does the game ever let you not <laughs> just shoot the person in the head, though? You could play a pacifist run of Last of Us 2. Okay. I think. Except for a couple bosses. Those are infected zombies. They deserve oh, to yeah, die. Oh, yeah. The infected zombies. I got no problem about that. In Last of Us 2, most of the combats are if you can make it from point A to point B without being seen, you can skip the entire combat. Fair enough. Okay, so then you play as the person who kills Joel. And do you end up, like, sympathizing with the position? Do you end up... Yeah, so that's that's kind of like the mountain that Naughty Dog has to climb, right, to get you on board with this. Because Miles, as an example, knew. Like, he just had this feeling. Because you don't know who she is when you start playing as her. You're just playing as this girl, Abby. Yeah. But Miles is like, I know that there's an issue with this. She's not someone I want to be playing. And the first thing he did was jump her off a cliff and kill her. And he's like, okay, now bring me back to Ellie. Because he just, <laughs> he just knew he did not want anything to do with her. He knew that something was up. He knew that the stories were, were converging very quickly at the very beginning. And he was just like, I don't like where this is headed. And then he just wanted nothing to do with her. But they force it on you. The thing that Naughty Dog does to try to get you basically forces you into it is a lot of flashback stuff a lot so her story you flash back to her when she's young when she's a little kid and you see her story and where she's coming from and why she is the way she is and then you see stories of her in the present what's driving her in the present and relationships she has in the present and then it keeps peppering that in almost a little too much like there was a point where i'm just like miles i don't understand where in time we are because it'll jump back three months and it'll jump back two years and it'll jump back one month anytime you're in a flashback and you go to another flashback you're like well like (laughs) you gotta ground me at some point right but it was very calculated and that's the one thing about this is that it's extremely manipulative right like they are definitely crafting this sure but i feel like it was very successful like in the end miles was very like i'm on team abby not necessarily in a abby versus ellie you know, standoff. He's not. But that's not what it's about. That's, yeah, that's he's not the saying game. I want Abby to win. He's just saying I get it now. I get that this standoff between Abby and Ellie is not black and white, yeah. right? And you start that going, I want Ellie to kill Abby, right? That's how you start. Yeah, but that's not how you end, right? It's not at all how you. They end. purposely do things to to make you really hate abby they want you to be so upset when you start playing abby they want you to be like there's no way i'm gonna like this but then they do some subtle things now abby as you can tell from the the videos that you've seen i'm sure has arms like cannons right and because of that when you play as abby things are just a little bit easier than when you play as ellie you could run a little faster your fighting is a lot more successful Like, little tiny things, so that when eventually you do have to go back to playing as Ellie, you feel like something's missing. It makes you rely on that body. 
for a lack of a better term. <laughs> and, <laughs> and at the end of Last of Us 2, do you find out that the scientist society has been reformed and that they're going to try to... This is one of my issues with the story was that in five years, they were like, he ruined our only chance. <laughs> like, he killed the one person who could do this. In five years, they never met another doctor, another surgeon who could maybe pick up the reins. In five years, no other doctor. How about a vet who uh, reads some of the notes the last person left? Just a you vet? Know, like, right? like, nobody? <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like, nobody? Ha- there's no one not with a any kind of, like, scientist? a medical technician who knows how all the equipment works. Like, or someone who could, like, like there's literature. Burn. They didn't burn down the lab, right? <laughs> yeah. they, he just killed all the people, but he didn't burn all the notes. This, <laughs> this guy who could make a cure, he didn't write anything down? He was just like, don't worry, guys, it's all up here. No, he's a scientist. They don't write anything down. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. So, like, we fully understand that. Better or worse than The Last of Us 1? Okay. So, I will say The Last of Us 1 is a better game. Okay. But I think The Last of Us 2 is a better piece of media. Uh-huh. Because I think The Last of Us 2, the reason why I don't think it's as good of a game as The Last of Us 1 is just the lack of multiplayer and the, <laughs> the cutscenes are way too long. But yeah. I want them. Like, when I'm playing it, I want those cutscenes. But as a game, I feel like you could maybe I make still more prefer, game out of it. I still prefer Last of Us 1, but that's just me from, like, like sentimental reasons or whatever. I fully understand, though, people who love last of us 2 more right and it does more for building a relationship between the player and the game than the first one like the first one like you develop a relationship with you and the characters whereas the second one really it's very introspective like it makes you really think about how you see the world and and your notions of what right and wrong are right so it it's uncomfortable at times right and i think that a lot of games don't like don't take that extra step they're just like, no, we just, we know what you want. You just want to be the good guy who kills people. And, you know, you want there you're to Nathan be... You're Nathan Drake. Yeah, you're just like, at the very end, you take down the bad guy and it's done. And I feel like it takes you out of that comfort zone of knowing all of those games, you know how you want it to end. Like, when you're playing as Nathan Drake, you want Nathan Drake to win at the end. When you get to the end of The Last of Us 2, you don't know what you want. <laughs> like, that's what mm. I felt like. I was yeah. like, I'm so confused right now because... I don't know what the ideal ending is for me. That's the thing, right? Because all that violence shakes you for like 25 hours, the most violent game you've ever played. And then by the end of it, you're just like, just stop. (laughs) Just stop and talk to each other for a second. And that's how I want to feel at the end of something like that, right? Because that that yeah. that's something that really shook me and affected me personally. Like, at the end, you just want to be like, everybody just stop and talk to each other. We can work out any, <laughs> pro- any problems we have are not as big as we think they are. And we could all work together to solve them. There's a bigger thing that we're all against, and it is this post-apocalyptic world mm-hmm. and surviving in it. That there is no need for this, like, for humanity to survive it's not about finding a cure it's about finding ways to live with each other whoa Mm. i just came up with it (laughs) but like that's kind of what it comes down to it's just like in the end it's not really about finding a cure because what if you're right maybe joel ruined the only shot at ever finding a cure well now you have to find a way to survive in this world and you're not gonna be able to do it if you're also fighting against each other right but that's like any post-apocalyptic there are bad humans. 
and whatever. But that's like a morality issue for Last of Us 3. That's what that's going to be, I guess. Yeah, this is the first game where there was no bad guy. Yeah. They're all just bad guys. Yeah. And they're all right? just good guys. Uh, hmm. Varying levels. It's a, it's, it's a, it's gray. It's very gray. There's like no boss. There's no boss in this game. There's no, there's no bad guy in this there's game. There's no guy that takes a bunch of extra hits to kill. No. Cool. Well, actually, there well, there's uh-oh. <laughs> infected. But like, usually in these games, there's like one evil person that you're chasing down or something. There wasn't in The Last of Us, though, either, yeah. right? So, right. I mean, this they're true to that anyway. I have a very minor gag. Sure. Tell us. <laughs> it's so dumb. But I didn't know that there were credits in Animal Crossing. I got credits. Like, the whole point of Animal Crossing. I guess not the whole point, but... You're trying to make your island appealing enough so that K.K. Slider, like this amazing musician, like all the music you find is by this one artist named K.K. Slider, and you want him to come and do a concert on your island. And then when he comes and does a concert on it, on your island, credits start to roll. And I was like, oh my god, I just beat Animal Crossing. I didn't know this game was beatable. And I was really excited, but I didn't tweet it or anything, because I was like, I don't understand what's happening, but there's credits. And then... There's way more game after that. So I'm not, I don't feel like I beat the game. And also K.K. Slider comes like every weekend or something. Like he comes a bunch of times and any time you ask him to put on a concert, the credits roll. So it, it's kind of meaningless that there are credits. But anyway, I just wanted to throw that in there as I was like, whoa, I beat the game, I guess. Very quick extra gag. Beginner's Guide. The end of the Beginner's Guide. It is devastating. It is brutal. That is a two-hour experience that will reframe the entire game at the end of the very game. If you haven't played the Beginner's Guide and you have like 10 bucks, you should totally play through that game. It is fantastic. It is bonkos what he's doing. And then I had another one. The End of Inside. The End of Inside is a gag moment. That's right. That is a huge one for me. Like, you don't see that coming at all. It's not with the rest of the game when it happens. You don't want it to end. You're like, I want to play a whole other game like this. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I forgot about that. That's the best one. Good job. Mm. All right. So that's it for this month, except we got some odds and ends to cover. Odds and ends. So we did the podcast. Yeah, as we we talked about. Yeah. Yeah. Check that out. That's one of those things. CC extra they call it they do it usually when there's like a new like extra hyped game they did one for like spider-man they did one for overwatch when it came out we're also on those yeah though that's the only (laughs) ones i can remember but i know they've done other ones when new games come Mm. out so it is like a very spoiler heavy real deep dive into the last of us 2 so that's out now i bought this uh magic the gathering uh silver bordered box set thing where they uh made it a lot like the board game smash up and i went through it and the cards are hilarious there's one card called alexander clamilton so oh. looking forward to playing that <laughs> <laughs> i'm uh waiting in the wings to play that game you're not gonna miss your shot i'm not gonna miss my shot <laughs> to play that game let me tell you what I wish I knew when I was young and was playing magic. <laughs> you have no control who wins, who loses, who taps your mana. <laughs> and uh, you just got to get George Washington on your side. Okay. <laughs> I've got a thing. I've got an odds and ends. There is a game that is out now at Target. It is coming to local game stores in August all around North America. So I'm waiting until August to get it because there's no Target in Canada anymore. So there's no way to get it. Uh, It's called Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion. This is Gloomhaven. Gloomhaven is the $100 giant last you your whole life board game. 
It's the Tiger King expansion, isn't it? It's no, this, <laughs> no. Every person I've played in an RPG recently has been called Joao Joe Exotique. Like some version of Joao Exotique. So Gloomhaven, big $100 box, number one ranked board game on Board Game Geek of all time. Huge box with a lot of unlockable things, and it's a dungeon crawler that's done really well. The game's fantastic. But uh, you want to pay $100 for a thing you haven't played. Eh, that's a tough sell for a lot of people, and it's maybe too big. It needs a lot of table space. Jaws of the Lion is doing everything smaller. Less missions, <laughs> less cost, but less missions, uh, less unlockables. All of the map tiles, so in Gloomhaven, all of the maps are created with tiles. This uses a book. So you just turn the page, and there's your new map for the place. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, streamlined rules, really good tutorial it's supposed to have. Everyone is saying that if they could go back, and if this product was available when Gloomhaven first came out, they would probably rather buy this product than the large box Gloomhaven. So if you have, you know, 40, 50 bucks, I don't remember exactly how much it costs, but it costs about that. They've put it in at a really good price point to get into this kind of game. If you're looking for a lo-fi dungeon crawler to play with another person that doesn't take up a ton of table space, that is modeled You don't on... need the original play this. You this do isn't not. an expansion. This is not an expansion. Okay. It is a game to get people into these games. So how right. do we sell people Frosthaven, which is Gloomhaven Part 2? How do we sell people that? Because the people who bought Gloomhaven might not be looking to buy, like, another one of another, those. Another, yeah. Now, I, mean, I kickstarted it, so I'm going to have a copy of it, and I'm probably going to end up playing that by myself or with another person maybe but like if you have a desire for that kind of game but want it on a smaller scale and it's much more easily digestible with a really good tutorial supposedly jaws the lion is going to be the thing to look out for and it's going to be super available and if you're in the states it's already available at target and then Frosthaven also comes out, and Frosthaven's supposed to be another huge beast of a game. What is the state of board games in 2020? It's it's like what I follow the most, and it is tough right now because a lot of the games have been delayed. So games are coming out a lot slower than they used to. The hype machine has kind of like died down, and it's harder to find out what is and is not getting the big pushes. Right now, the biggest thing in the first half of the year was... The Kickstarter for Frosthaven. It was like the biggest Kickstarter ever for a board game, I think. Jaws of the Lions coming out. That's pretty big. But like we're getting closer to the end of the year and there's not a ton of, you know, things you have to get this year. Do you think because of the way things are now with the pandemic that board game designers have to look at alternative ways to play board games or think of maybe creating games that could be played at a distance? Yeah, I've been playing a lot of games well, I've been playing Gloomhaven on Tabletop Simulator, and that's been good, but that is not a solution. You need board games that can be played on mobile, basically. Like, I need to learn how to play this game in five minutes, or you're not going to get people interested at all right now. Tabletop Simulator has been an interesting way to play games. Also, I can't imagine that six-player games are, are selling well right now. Like, Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like, do you think this will stop companies from ever even pushing an eight-player game? Yeah, it's tough. It's really tough right now. Codenames is a fantastic game. Everyone was playing it during the pandemic over their computer. Like Lots of Codenames yeah. is getting played. Lots of social games are getting played. But anything that needs a board 
or something that we all need to be around that's 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 tough but that's what they sell but i can't imagine that fantasy flight is moving a ton of copies of twilight imperium right now like just who are you playing <laughs> that with and jackbox is making out like a bandit yeah two-player games though those are probably doing fine like for yeah. people yeah. that want experiences probably doing better than they ever yeah. have i would suggest that if you're making a euro game i've always only ever wanted to play euro games with two people anyway because euro games can go on with more than two people but i would be thinking about two-player games right now really mm-hmm. tight two-player games there's ah uh, there's another one that say so a friend and i we keep on top of it and so he was like you pre-order this game and i'll pre-order this game so we have two games coming one is one small step which is a worker placement game about getting to the moon so one person plays uh the russians one person plays the americans and it's you know worker placement and uh doing the mission race to the moon race to the moon <laughs> The other one is, I've probably spoken about Twilight Struggle before. Twilight Struggle is about the U.S. versus the USSR and the Cold War, spreading your influence all around the world. Very intricate, very, like, card-driven game that rewards you for getting really into it. Not all of these games reward you for getting into them. Like, you get 10 games deep and you're like, yeah, uh, you win or you lose by a point here and it's really only driven by this decision. Like, once you come really down to it, multiple plays don't reward you for really learning the game. Twilight Struggle is one of those games that if you were to get into it and get into it deep, you get into it deep and there's a whole set of strategies that you can learn in the early game, middle game, late game, all that stuff. This game is about Britain versus France in like the 1800s with the same kind of spreading influence and and markets and all of that and and it's a spiritual successor to that game so we're pretty interested what's that one called that one is imperial struggle by gmt games (laughs) gmt games are gmt games are the games i wish that i had more time to play there's no other group of games that i wish i had more time to play than gmt games interesting there you go yeah that's it for us this month thank you all so much for listening for chris and Catherine. i'm miles take care everybody Bye-bye! Flock talk, flock talk, shalabalagoo! Ooh, shalalala, shalabalagoo! Stop.